And welcome to the Training Camp Report. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. I joined in the first hour by Mike Pursuta of the DVE Morning Show. And, of course, we're all of the Steelers Radio Network. Uh, for what that is worth these days, um, could be, we just don't have the access that we typically do, guys. Right. But one thing we did have today was access to David DeCastro. And, man, I don't know about you, Mike, but... Uh, I sure appreciate uh, you know when you get a chance to talk to these guys for the first time in about six months, you appreciate the candor of a guy like David DeCastro. And a guy that is usually noted for candor, but he usually is very judicious about when he decides to give candor. You know, he's not a guy that's going to fill it up for you on Wednesday or Thursday uh, leading up to the big game against the Ravens, but Oh, I don't know, after you blow a playoff game against Jacksonville or, you know, there's some other issue that needs to be addressed, he will address it. And he gave a number of insights today. I would say, Dale, correct me if I'm wrong, David DeCastro was downright loquacious today. Yeah, he was. He was He was bringing it all over the place. Uh, um, you know, I think if we'd have asked him who shot Kennedy, we might have found out. You may know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so would you guys say that, I mean – He's not a guy of many words, but when he speaks, he speaks loudly. And when he feels like, you know, it's not that he avoids you It's weird because, you know, a couple of years ago, um, you know, when he was – we were talking after the Jacksonville loss, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how – maybe it was before that. I can't remember. But it was during that season, and he was talking about guys, you know, not not being, um, you know, necessarily – Focused all the time, talking yeah, about where all they the, need to be. Yeah, yeah, where they need to be, what doing, what they need to be doing. And I looked at him. I said, David, you're one of the team leaders. You're one of the leaders in this locker room. You're, you know, multiple time All Pro and Pro Bowl player. I said, quite frankly, you know, you could speak up about some of these things, and I, I guarantee you that people would would take notice. And he goes, ah, I just don't feel like that's my place. Okay. Well, I think he does well, now. I think, little, I think huh? that's changed right, a little right. bit, Mike. You know, it's funny that uh, Matt would put it that way, very accurately, by the way. DeCastro's a guy who, when he came in, didn't want to say a word. Uh, took a very similar approach to being a first-round pick that T.J. Watt ended up taking, and that was to be seen and not heard. He wanted to establish himself despite arriving as a heralded player. You know, he wanted to make his mark on the team before he started running his mouth, and he was painfully silent. Yes. I got assigned to do a program story about David DeCastro, his rookie year. <laughs> and the entirety of the story ended up being talking to his teammates about how DeCastro never talks. <laughs> because, I, because I tried to interview him and I didn't really get anywhere. But uh, he was fun today. And a couple of nuggets, too. There was, you know, he, he kind of spoke from the heart and uh, let us know a couple things. At least he let me know a couple things that. Uh, well, let me just uh, say that uh, when he mentioned this might be Al's last year, I know that's something a lot of us have been thinking, but uh, I don't know that anybody from the organization had announced the Alejandro Villanueva uh, going away party yet. But, uh, <laughs> you know, was he wrong? I don't think so. No, I mean, those two are those two are best buddies. Um, if anybody would know if, if, if Al's thinking about anything like that, it would certainly be David DeCastro. Um, and, you know, maybe he was just – Speaking in terms of this could be Al's last year here, knowing that 
that uh, the contract situation right. is. Again, this is one of the problems with the Zoom calls because if he drops something like that on you in the middle of an interview, you go, hey, hey, wait, let's go back to what you just said there. <laughs> Can't do it, huh? Um, you know, what do you mean, Al's last year? And, and he could, you know, maybe follow up or whatever. You can't do that in these situations, and it's it's just you just move the next yeah the next questioner comes up and they have their question all queued up it's written down or something whatever however they had it so you get no follow up in those situations Um, but yeah I mean talking about how uh, you know Roethlisberger has a uh, you know a little pep to his step and and when he steps into into, he just has a a different feeling this year when he steps into the into that huddle there's a, a more of an accountability. And the other thing I thought he said that was interesting, he said, you know, they got um, – they lost some confidence late last year in the offense, the offense as a whole. That was uh, revealing as well. I thought the same thing. Usually they always talk about, uh, you know, next man up. Right. No matter the circumstances, they're going to do what they do and battle through it. No, they – Hey, they they saw the games too, I guess. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm guessing most people lost confidence in the offense. Well, Matt, Matt brought up year. a valid point with that too. Last year was the first time, Mike, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, where when Mike Tomlin was talking about a backup coming in, for example, Devlin Hodges, we just don't want him to kill us. That was outside the norm for the Steelers. Like you always get the next man up stuff, all that, you know, all of that. Uh, but Mike Tomlin. Um, you know, was was quite frank with with his assessment of those quarterbacks as well. Just don't kill us, and that was a week to week thing. And even when Hodges did well, you know, what you think of Devlin Hodges? He didn't kill us. Right. You know, <laughs> that, that came up at one point. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, but you know, if you thought last year there there were a few different things done and said, hold my beer, because uh, this year coming up, I think is going to be an exercise in. Uh, dealing with that day, that day, and worrying about tomorrow, tomorrow. And uh, I don't think the standard's going to be the standard. I think the idea is going to be to survive this season, hopefully A, complete it, B, do well in it, and then C, you know, win the Lombardi. But uh, David talked about that. uh, David DeCastro talked about that a lot too, about just uh, not just how brutal last year was, but how he's done having any kind of optimism. Not that he's pessimistic, but you just don't know. So right. there's no point. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's no point. Every time somebody says, well, I don't think they're going to get this thing done, or I do think they're going to get this thing, they don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody right. knows. Everybody's guessing. It's all conjecture yeah. at this point. So every time somebody says that, it's not any more meaningful than anybody else saying it, or, or less meaningful. It, it's it's all just a guess right now, because we have no idea what's coming down the pike. So you just, you know, show up today and do your work, and uh, hope you get to do the same thing tomorrow. It's probably a... A pretty healthy attitude. But, yeah, I was with you too, Dale, on that, uh, you know, when David DeCastro makes an observation about Ben Roethlisberger, I think it carries a little more weight than when Deontay Johnson right, yeah. does it. Just because he hasn't, <laughs> Deontay Johnson hasn't been around. He doesn't know the guy uh, the way David DeCastro knows him. But uh, the way he talked, uh, DeCastro did about Roethlisberger, and I was glad to hear him include Marquise Pouncey too as one of those leaders that just demands that you give your best when you're out there uh, in practice, and everybody falls in line because of that. Uh, that was that was interesting. Except, to me. except for one certain former wide receiver. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm with you on that, and, and I think that, uh, and we're going to hear the the, the the Castro interview in, in its entirety in the second half of the the show here tonight. But uh, I I just thought it, he he was 
fantastic to listen to. There are a couple of guys in that locker room, and Matt asked me about, you know, uh, you know, is DeCastro one of those guys, that, that one of those go-to guys? I'm like, yeah, he is. You go to him, you go to Cam, um, you know, used Pouncey's to go to Ramon. Yeah. Pouncey's one of those guys. Um, there's some guys in that locker room that are essentially the pulse of the team. And, you know, if you want to get a finger on the pulse of the team to see where they're at, those guys are, are going to shoot it at you uh, pretty straight uh, most of the time. I, I like that it's linemen, too. I mean, maybe that's just an old-school mentality of me because those guys look at the game a little different. They often put the team in front of themselves, generally speaking. Good linemen are smart, tough. You know, I mean, I think that Cam, Pouncey, DeCastro as leaders are positions you want leadership, in, especially at center. And they're not necessarily guys that are going to go on and on about it either, but they're going to mm-hmm. say what they have to say, and that's that. You know, there are other guys, there are go-to guys, uh, you know, way back in the day. I'm going to go way back because I go way back. But, uh, you know, there was a time when uh, if you were covering this team and you were absolutely out of gas and you had no idea and you didn't know what you were going to write for the next day, you would just go to a certain quarterback's locker and say, hey, Bubby, you got a minute? <laughs> And then you would turn the tape recorder on, and 20 minutes later, you'd say, thanks, bub. And then you had all you needed. The, we did the guys that we're talking about, they're not, uh, they're not that guy. But, hey, things are – there's a crisis or uh, there's there's a, a moment coming up here or, or something profound just happened. We need to put it in context. Those are the guys that you go for in those situations. Oh, absolutely. You know, people ask me uh, on a regular basis, hey, who's the – Who's the guy that you enjoyed talking to the most? And and those guys are, are at the top of the list, the guys who are the insightful ones. Uh, but there's other guys. I mean, I mean Joey Porter back in the day would always oh. give you something. Mm-hmm. Lee Flowers would always give you something that you could write. Even though they weren't the – you know, Lee Flowers wasn't a great football player. He was a good football player. Yeah. But he was a great quote. I mean, <laughs> was he well respected in the locker room too? I, I mean, think they, they yeah. liked him because he was a tough guy. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you think about some of those guys. Uh, you know, for example, guys like Carnell Lake weren't necessarily great quotes. They sure, weren't great sure. talkers. You know, Rob Talked Woodson. On the field, yeah. Rob Woodson would give you but, some good, you know, good stuff at, at times. But it's not always the best players. It's often, you know, a lot of times you can go to these these other guys who they kind of see the big picture mm-hmm. and they get it. And they're also not Mike Mitchell was a guy like that, and, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Mike Mitchell, Mike Mitchell was kind of in the middle. He, he would be a good pulse of the team guy, but he would also be a good fill up the notebook guy. He was, uh, he was fun to be around. I kind of miss him. I don't think the fans do. <laughs> well, we have different priorities. We have different that, priorities than they do. No <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, our priority today is to bring you up to date on everything that happened in Steelers training camp as they start week two here, the veterans being in camp. Mike, we are uh, we're getting dangerously close to them putting on helmets and shells this week. Helmets and shells. Is this something uh, fans should be excited about? Oh, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm still I'm still <laughs> counting down to next it. Monday. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to Heinz Field next Monday. I hope we are. I mean, so, you know, they, they still haven't given us the okay that. on who's going to be allowed in and who's not, but I, I would hope that we're allowed in. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, again, I'm having football withdrawal here. I'm uh, not having seen a practice in over six months or, or a game. Uh, you know, people asking all the time, how's this guy look? How's that guy? I haven't seen any of them. Right. I've seen the snippets that they put out, the videos, those kind of things. Those are great, but it's not seeing these things with your own eyes. You're not getting a good look at – how things are set up, who's running with what. 
unit, who's doing, you know, what's a pecking order with with certain things. Um, there, there are all kinds of little things that you can glean just from watching practice without actually seeing them do anything. And plus the two and of you course, guys have so many contacts inside the organization. I mean, not that they're leaking things, but you might hear, boy, this, he looks really, really happy with this guy. Yeah. You know, and those type of things, too, that you just see and, you know, you guys get to do in person that are not part of it right now. And unfortunately, even when we get there, we're not going to be able to do that because it's, mm-hmm. it's a different setup this year because practice is at Heinz Field, not at St. Vincent College, so it's not open to the public. So everything that happens on the field is not fair game. And uh, I'm not going to be hobnobbing and uh, working the locker room and, and the back channels uh, anytime soon. So uh, Kevin Colbert probably it, it'll be happy about that. It'll be different that way, <laughs> but uh, looking forward to it nonetheless. I, I mean, here's how different it is already. The last time I talked to you guys, I was watching the Penguins get eliminated from the Stanley Cup qualifying round, which I think was playoffs, but wasn't actually quite playoffs. Now I'm watching uh, some guy drop an Edmonton Oilers ping pong yep, ball we are too. into a machine to see about <laughs> the uh, draft lottery uh, while talking about a training camp that I still have not attended. With, hey, a, wait, with a mask on, I might add. This guy has a mask on and there's nobody around him. Yeah. Yeah. He's a lot of drama for each time they drop a ball in here. Yes, too. he's he's really mm-hmm. holding his spending taking his time here as he drops the ping pong balls <laughs> into the well, what's uh, you see that you want to see that Florida Panthers logo there. Oh boy. Gary Bettman's checking him out. Gary Bettman doesn't have what a is, mask on. Why does that guy have a mask on and Gary Bettman does not? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is is he like the executioner? They don't want anybody right, to know right. who the he guy dropping the... the ping pong balls in is. You can't you're you can't not blame to know him that. when your team doesn't win. Yeah, you know, you're right. not allowed to know that. Some people will put out a hit on this guy if they don't if their ping pong ball doesn't come out. Do you see yeah. that they're not well, only were in a briefcase, but they had to cut the seal to make you know to show that it's been just yeah you know, nobody's official. tampered with those ping pong balls. This right. being Pittsburgh, we know that can happen as they did no, with the, the lottery never. back in the day. You know they, they should have t- done it like the oh I thought you were talking about Blues the Sid Brothers. Lottery. No, I'm talking about the lottery, the state lottery. No, they fixed that a little that bit. That was fixed back in the '70s here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you don't yeah. know, you don't know that story. I don't know that story. One of the t- local TV stations, they fixed the fixed the lottery. I, I shot found stuff it into odd the, that, uh, into Whitey, the balls. Bo- Whitey Bolger won the lottery one time. That's what's the chances of that happening? What are the chances? <laughs> yeah, obviously pretty good. Um, Dale, there are people that think the Crosby lottery was fixed too. Yeah, well, they, maybe they're not, right. Not so many in Pittsburgh, but they're out there. Trust me. <laughs> well, if they get this one too, though, there are a lot of people that are going to think that's fixed as well. But uh, back to uh, to the football team that we cover, uh, Mike. Uh, no news is good news over the weekend. I think every time that uh, the Steelers now take the practice field, um, if no news comes out of that, uh, the fans should look at that as it being a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um... And that kind of leads us back to Dave DeCastro. When uh, d- did you suspect Dale, as I did, that he was pretty being pretty sincere when he talked about really not missing the preseason games? And, Absolutely. Uh, the, the you know the Steelers <laughs> are really positioned to to not have this be a hindrance. In fact, it might even be a help because you basically have a veteran team that knows what it's doing, and they're not going to need that much time to crank it up. So, uh, you know, I still have. Uh, uh, flashbacks to uh, all the training camp injuries I've seen over the years, uh, many of them starting San- Sanquez Golson. Um, but Kendall Simmons one year went down. I, you never forget that one that ended his season. Bad, yeah, he, was bad time to camp. lose guys. Yeah. Um, bad yeah. time to lose guys. You don't want to lose them there. Um, if you remember, DeCastro himself got hurt in a preseason game his rookie year. Um, so it does happen to guys. And, 
He's right. I think they have an advantage, and we've talked about that a lot on this show, how you know teams that, that have the continuity, that have the veteran guys coming back, are an advantage uh, this year over the teams that are, are breaking in new guys or have new coaching staffs or you know breaking in a new bringing in a new system. Um, it, it's going to be a, a, an advantage for the for the Steelers, uh, especially in that first month of the season. Yeah, maybe not uh, so much for the young guys, but that's a global thing, as Mike Tomlin would say. And uh, you know, every team is not the same in terms of continuity and, and veteran leadership and all that good stuff. So. Uh, I can tell you, I'm not going to miss the preseason games. Um, I, I, we'll, we'll see in September. Maybe I'll change my tune on that if the quality of play is lacking. But I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, if it is, I don't think it'll be just because there were no preseason games. Uh, I would, I'd prefer they do the normal off-season thing and get all the OTAs in and you know go away to camp for a while and do their stuff. Oh, it looks like the Rangers won the lottery. There you go. No, I think their first one out. Isn't that oh, is that how they're doing this? I would assume so, that they're out. So the Pens are have a one in seven chance. Oh, this is ridiculous. Anyways, I'm hey, hoping that's how it's going to be. While they do all this silliness here uh, on, on with the NHL, they got two guys <laughs> wearing a mask <laughs> and one not. He does look yeah. like the executioner. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that no, is the Rangers' number one. Wes is wrong. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, well. Anyways, we're going to take a break. He is Mike Pursuta. That's Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. Um, These guys are very much, very much uh, focused on this uh, this whole draft thing here with the Penguins, this little ping pong balls bouncing around. But we'll get back to the Steelers. We'll do that right after this on the Training Camp Report. Tell it like it is, Diamond Dave. There we go. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Training Camp Report. I'm Dale Lolly here with Mike Prasuda and Matt Williamson. And, uh, Mike, being a Big Ten guy, how you feeling about the, the Big Ten leading the, the charge here to go to spring football uh, this year? Before we go there, i got to tell you guys my Neil O'Donnell story. Okay, oh, go bring ahead. It on. Since since we came in with Van Halen, this is uh, long ago. Uh, I don't think Neil was even starting yet, but he was on the Steelers team. And I ended up going to uh, what I still refer to as Star Lake Amphitheater. If you are listening to us out of market, uh, that's the outdoor concert venue that's been around for, I don't know, what, 25 years, maybe more. Longer than um, that, really, now. And that was in high school. Yeah. yeah. Now all it does um, is play, uh, they do a lot of uh, country acts out there now. It's all yeah, country yeah. stuff. Yeah. Really? People in market probably still know it as Star Lake. Yes. And uh, I go to see Van Halen because, you know, it was Van Halen. And uh, I got a pretty good seat. And uh, I don't know how this happened, but I ended up next to Neil O'Donnell. And by the end of the show, we were both standing on our seats screaming, Panama, you know, and really enjoying the show. So that's my Neil O'Donnell story. How about that? That would be the most excitement Neil O'Donnell's probably ever shown. (laughs) Oh, he was into it. I mean, he was, it was a pretty a stoic time. guy. He was not a uh, raw, yeah. raw type. He's not the one you go you know, to for the interview. No. No. He no. was not, no. But uh, your football players are, you know, they're human beings too, and they like a good concert, some of them. They and, are, uh, yeah. You know, once a, 
once the work day's over, you gotta you gotta go unwind as you can. So, uh, yeah, that was a blast. But uh, to your point, Dale, uh, about Big Ten football, I mean, uh, it, it's devastating to me, as I'm sure it is to a lot of people, that there, uh, you know, looks like there's not going to be college football this fall, or at least the college football that uh, we've all come to know and love. But I've been kind of wrestling with this uh, all along as the various leagues have put forth their proposals to come back and now we've seen it enacted in baseball and basketball and hockey and we're seeing the early stages of the NFL I think college football is the one that is most dependent on the live crowd Uh, to me Hmm. half the deal is the atmosphere and the traditions and uh, the historic stadiums and what goes on there the fight songs uh, and the cheerleaders yeah yeah, that is specific to those stadiums I mean uh, as my colleague on the morning show, uh, Randy Bauman, has told me many times, uh, if you're starving, you'll take a hot dog, even if somebody puts ketchup on it. Uh, you know, <laughs> you'd rather have a steak, but you'll take what you can get. Uh, I don't know if college football works. Oop, I without... think we lost Mike. It appears. Hello? Oh, yeah, we got you there. Okay. Can you hear ketchup me now? Yeah, we can hear you. Hot dogs. That's all I can think. Yeah, of. I don't know if college football works without uh, the color and pageantry. It is part of the game. Uh, to me, though, from looking at it from the NFL view, uh, we've already seen a lot of opt-outs already. Uh, I don't know, around 10 or so. Top guys. Yeah. The top guys. I think we see more if they're going to go to the spring. I think a lot of guys are going to opt out because they're not going to want to play in the spring for a lot of different reasons, number one of which is if you go play in the spring and you get hurt, you really, I mean, you kill your draft stock. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Even a small injury, hamstring pull, you know what I mean? Things that are Anything, week yeah. to week would really hurt you because of limited timetable. Well, since we happen to have a, a former scout on our dais here, yeah. how does this affect the draft, Matt? I mean, yeah, there was a lot, a lot of top guys are opting out. I mean, if you were uh, on Todd McShay's board at number 15 going into the season and you don't play a season, how, how are you evaluated? How are you perceived? We appear to have lost yeah, Mike again, uh, dropping in and out with the uh, with the internet connection here. Uh, yeah, I, d- to finish his, his question, and we, we've talked a little bit about this on the drive, but let's go ahead and do it here as well. Uh, you know, if you're looking at guys who have opted out, I know, you know, this is a kind of a new we, – we've seen this the last couple of years where guys decide not to play in their bowl games. Right, right, right. Um, this is, however, a decision not to play an entire season. Not put any tape out for a year. Yeah. You know, for the scouts. We did talk about it earlier, and I want to talk about that more, too. But one aspect I didn't think about earlier today that I was thinking about today is the the young college people. All the guys that are, you know, lined up, or and women, that are lined up for scholarships, well, now – a lot of people aren't going to get scholarships that they worked for and earned, I would imagine, because people aren't leaving off the top level. The seniors aren't moving on. So how do we bring in 25 freshman scholarship people, you know, or do all the scholarship numbers, you know, go up by 20% or whatever? So is this going to have a ripple effect four years from now? You know, that's the COVID class and that's, you know, we have way too many people or not nearly enough or, there's just a lot more ripple effects than I thought about before. I mean, I was just looking through a scouting lens. Yeah, it's, it's not. I mean, it's if you look at it, um, you know, the governor here in Pennsylvania recommended last late last week that they're not that they not hold high school football in the fall, move it to the spring. That would kill small schools. But kill, they can't right, do right. it. They can't do they it. They can't do. I mean, if you're if you're a class A or even a double A school and you've got thirty athletes. 
<laughs> right, right. They're not all just football players. Some of them like to specialize. Some of them play baseball, mm-hmm. or maybe they run track, or you know, whatever. Twenty five percent of the football players. Yeah. Like, no, I'm playing baseball. They just I'm play because, right. yeah, they play because the, your school needs the numbers and mm-hmm. they need something to do in the fall. They don't love the game necessarily the way that the guys who just play mm-hmm. football do. I mean, even the big schools would be hard on. I mean, oh yeah, because you're, you're making kids things, make a right. decision about, hey, what are you going to play this spring? Mm-hmm. You know. I can remember when my, my son was going into his senior year in high school, and he had quit playing football, um, I think, after sixth grade and, and concentrated more on baseball and basketball. And the football coach, they, the, the, his high school hired a new football coach. Well, the football coach sees him walking down the hall, and he's you know six one and two hundred twenty pounds. He goes, "Hey, why aren't you playing football?" Probably asked two people he's, about him. Like, yeah, he's our best pitcher, and he's yeah. a really good basketball player. He's a good right? athlete. Yeah, he's you know. a good tight end. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and, and so he comes home from school that day and says, "Hey, Dad, the uh, the football coach talked to me. He really wants me to come out for the team." And I'm like, "That's that ship has sailed, bud." Right, I said, yeah, yeah. "You're you're a baseball player. If you get hurt during football season." It's over. You're done, right? You know, and your livelihood's on your right arm. You know, you 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 made that choice. Yeah, you get into a you know into a dog pile and and, Mm -hmm. uh, or you know piled up on, and somebody's you know laying on your arm crooked, and you you know break your arm or you know tear something in there. You're done. Yeah, it's over. So you know, I, I said it's probably too late at this point. Yeah, I mean, all the seniors that have accepted scholarships, are they going to still be there for them? Not as many are going to open on the top end, you know. I mean, I, I, the whole thing's messier than you think. I mean, just skipping it a year. The seasons are where they easy. are at for a reason, right? Like right, this right. is this is not something that happens just because. Like they don't play baseball in the fall. They play they play baseball in the spring. They run track in the spring, mm-hmm. so they can then do football in the fall. And if you make everything in the spring, it just uh, again, I, 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 we, what we haven't seen yet is how long that season. Is something we talked about earlier. Is the college season going to be done before the draft is held? It better be, or they can't be eligible. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I mean, don't know. I mean, or, or, you if know, if we get Mike back, I'm curious because you know, like, I'm sure Mike would love. To, I'm not going to speak for you, Mike, but I would imagine you'd love to watch Michigan State spring, fall, winter, whatever. But the analyst in you has to realize, man, this is not good for the process. No, although since we since you went there. Uh, it, it's actually kind of a break for Michigan State because uh, we're trying to break in a new coach and we don't know who our quarterback's going to be. So I wasn't real, I wasn't real optimistic for no practice and just throw it out there. I mean, I, I don't mind a year off from that perspective because if you're going to get a year off, get our brains one, handed right? to us. But uh, no, I just I going back to campus for me is the thing. And even if I'm just watching on TV, I kind of trans myself back and you see the students acting like idiots and you hear the band playing and all that uh i i look at college ball in the season as a fan and you know for the fun of it and the nostalgia of it i start trying to analyze it for the draft after it's over Mm -hmm. but uh you know i'm not looking at it uh on october the 27th thinking oh boy iowa's got an edge rusher who's probably going to go in the top 25 now i don't go there then but well it's going to create a log jam. It's going to create more uncertainty. Uh, Kevin Colbert was talking about how well they did working around the the problems that cropped up because of the initial uh, COVID-19 uh, situation and, the, you know, the initial hardships that were caused by not being able to get together and things of that nature. But, boy, I don't know. If the last time you saw a guy play was as a sophomore and he doesn't have a junior season, how sold can you be? Sure. 
and but a quick I mean as the fan in you if you knew that you weren't going to get Spartan football in the fall do you want it in the spring Yeah yeah, I mean it's better than it, nothing, right? You'll take if it's, a Spartan if it's football the real and you can thing. Get a Spartan football. Yeah, if it's a real thing, even if it's not. <laughs> yeah, if the fans, fans can and, go, sure, oh, okay. sure. I'd rather. I mean, it's more fun in the fall, and uh, part of the reason uh, the Big Ten is the nation's premier intercollegiate athletic conference is we actually play outdoors <laughs> in November, and you get the elements uh, that are part of the game of football. You know, you might have to play in the snow or the mud or the rain. None of those things that the SEC ever deals with. Because it's always 85 Doesn't rain degrees in Alabama. Or well, Portland, but here's right? the here's the problem <laughs> is that the entire season, if they play it in, if they start in, let's say they start in January, late January, early February, the entire season is going to be played in poor weather. Yeah, it probably would be, huh? No matter where you're at. Basically. No matter where you, I mean, not so much in the south, but certainly in the north. I mean, who's going to want to go to Wisconsin? Or, you know, yeah, February. That's, that's probably too much <laughs> right. the other way, yeah. Right, right, right. Although I'll say this, you know, as a fan, some of my greatest memories are going to games where it was miserable and my team ended up coming out on top and I felt like I earned it a little bit because I sat through it <laughs> and I endured it. Does this make any sense? I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, I think it was 2015, Sparty went into Ohio State and it was uh, a late-season game where this was going to decide that side of the Big Ten, the, whatever they were calling the division, the the Rod Woodson division or whatever it was. Legends and, and heroes. It and... was pouring the entire game. I was sitting in the first row of the upper deck at the horseshoe, and my feet were under about five inches of water by the end of the first quarter. It was just collecting. It was raining so hard, and it was freezing cold. And I had a, a you know, winter jacket with a big hood on, and I'm just sitting there miserable, shivering, and then, hey, last play field goal, pretty good day. Yeah, I mean that does it does yeah, right. it certainly makes it feel you know feel better. But I just you know again, it, it's not going to be good for fans to to sit in you know Wyoming in the middle yeah, of February right. uh, or you know any of those places. Uh, and, and I just wonder if it affects the play on the field if it if it makes it. I mean, there's a reason why basketball is the winter sport and it's played indoors. Indoors, you know, we're not even guarantee the fans will be allowed to go then. That's that's the other part of it. Right. We just don't know. Uh, and, and I just I, the whole thing. They'll probably say if you want to go sit in minus twenty degree wind chill, <laughs> have six of you there. Have, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> we're not really worried about you. And in they terms and of they you. won't right. mind if you huddle together for warmth. Forget right. social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the Badgers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I, you know, I just think that if the, if that's the case, if they do decide to go to this to a to a January uh, schedule with that, I think there's going to be massive opt outs. I think you're going to see a uh, lot yeah. of a lot of players who, if, if they if they ha- are harboring any ideas of going to the NFL, uh, are they're just not going to play in this spring because it's just too big of a risk to get hurt. That makes sense to me, Dale. Um, you know, probably guys that are over estimating their own NFL chances will probably opt out. Right. Yeah, You're going to have guys be... that, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to opt out. Well, you were going to be like a sixth round pick if, at best. True. Well, I, but I, but I know that if I get hurt, I'm not going to get drafted at all. I'm not going right. to get that chance at all. So you're going to opt out. And you wonder how many of your teammates opt out. You know, my starting center's giving it up, so I better give it up too. This guy blocking for me is a true freshman that's not ready at all. You know, he needs another two years in the weight room. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it I mean, might it have would, massive. It, to Matt's effects. point about that, he, like it won't affect the Alabamas and the LSU's of the world, where they've got 
you know, they 17 guys, five-star right? guys on their roster at the same position. Yeah. What it affects is the smaller schools, the Michigan States, the Pitts, the Penn States, mm-hmm. that maybe don't have as many stars lined up that, uh, you know, you, you've got – you're good at your, at your one deep or, you know, maybe even partially down to your two deep. But all of a sudden, those guys start leaving, and then you start getting injuries, and you're done. Yeah. I mean, like my last year at Pitt, we ended up 11, I think, or we were 11 going into our bowl game, something like that. It was Larry's last year, and we had eight to ten guys that were going to get drafted. If six or seven of those guys hung it up, we wouldn't want a game. <laughs> you know I mean? Right. It makes, yeah. a, huge, makes right. a huge difference. For sure. Well, stay tuned. I mean, uh, it's you know, none of us really know what's coming, but uh, I, I think that – People are so desperate to explore every opportunity, even these ones that we're talking about now that don't seem real uh, plausible or uh, realistic. Uh, there's there's a reason college football and, and the NFL are as popular as they are. I mean, people want to see this stuff, and uh, it's hard to give it up. We oh, didn't yeah, touch people, on it earlier. People will watch it whenever it's on, but yeah. it's just it's going to affect – the NFL, if the college football season is in the spring, there's just the no whole difference. draft yeah. and entry process is going to be on its ear. But do you think we didn't talk about this earlier, Dale? Do you think if there isn't fall football in college, that we'll have Saturday games in the NFL? Yes, I yeah, think they'll have to apply for an exemption with Congress because they, they have there's a rule in place now on mm-hmm. their with their uh, with the um, I forget what it's called, but whatever their, their agreement is, right? Yeah, they have not their their agreement with Congress that they won't play. Uh, from I think it's the beginning of September through mid December on Saturdays when the college okay. football season will be held, they can do that. To, it's part of the antitrust stuff, uh, and so they would apply for, for you know they get that changed. I'm sure the television uh, networks would back them. Oh, on they'd that. be all for it. They would right? love seeing you know two yeah. or three NFL games on Saturday to kind of fill out the, You've got the six roster. national games throughout every week, every year. Or yeah, every week or uh, but it would certainly change that NFL schedule as well. And all of a sudden you're playing because they're not going to give up Thursday games either. No, and they're not going to give up the Monday games. So you know you're going to have to be very cognizant of you know who plays in those Saturday mm-hmm. games. Yeah, I bet that would I bet that would occur though. But if you don't have fans in a stadium, yeah, it's not that big a deal not either. Not that right. big of a deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can kind of yeah, change the kickoff time. Uh, <laughs> as however you want. Fit. Right. Absolutely. Uh, PNC Bank uh, is brings us this Steelers coverage, all of our Steelers coverage here on Steelers Nation Radio, brought to you by PNC Bank, which is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is, uh, of course, Mike Pursuta. He's Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. And we are back. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson and Mike Pursuta for the training camp report. And, uh, Mike, just to finish up here on the subject of uh, the Big Ten and the possibility of uh, no uh, uh, fall football here in uh, for college football at all, um, Jim Harbaugh wants to play. <laughs> okay. Just thought I'd throw sure. that out there to you. He he uh, said that. Uh, sure he does. He said uh, he he wants. Uh, he said this isn't easy. This is hard. It's proven to be the conduct, discipline, and structure within our program have led to these stellar results. They've had eleven uh, out of uh, eight hundred ninety-three tests come up positive. Uh, he thinks that they should play. Um, maybe they can just play with themselves. <laughs> It's got to be easier there because nobody from Michigan ever passes a test. <laughs> oh, hey! Oh, Folks, we didn't set that up. 
That was uh, that was <laughs> all, all natural. <laughs> that was all natural. Mike bringing it there. Uh, to get back uh, to Matt's question on Saturday football, um, I, I, I think that's a distinct possibility. I think that the NFL will want to do that. I think the TV stations and networks will want the NFL to play on Saturdays um, if there is no college football. I think the only people who will not want to play on Saturdays will be the players and the coaches, perhaps. Yeah, but I, I think they will play on Saturday, and I don't think that's a thing that's necessarily going to go away, maybe. I think that's going to be something that the NFL finds is very appealing to the general public, not just uh, because there's no college ball, but uh, you know, uh, you mentioned some of the legislation and, and things like that would that would have to be worked around if there uh, are college and pro football going on at the same time. But uh, I think people uh, would really like more out-of-market games uh, you know, I'm assuming these are going to be on the low, the regular networks, right? CBS will do one, and oh, Fox yeah. will I mean, do anywhere. one. And Essentially, and anybody who has a contract with the, with the league would then pick up these games in place of the college games mm-hmm. that they typically show. And for the league, the, the ramifications of this would be this would help. I would think that the, the networks would have to pony up a little extra cash for these games. That's what I was sitting here thinking. And it I would help the, that revenue stream. Think, yeah. for and then the salary cap isn't at 190 or 175. Right. It starts to go back up and – all of a sudden, the, the NFL sits back and reaps the rewards a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so from that aspect of it, uh, it I'm sure happen. that the I'm sure the league can get the players NFLPA to sign off on that and say, "Hey, look, uh, you know the salary cap now does, you know goes down only ten million dollars next year instead of twenty mm-hmm. uh, because we're going to do these Saturday games." The, the NFLPA might signs even go up. up. Yeah, it might even we might even yeah. break even on this. The NFLPA signs up signs off on that. In a heartbeat. And the travel wouldn't be as difficult as most years. I mean, you're not screwing fans over who bought tickets and can't get there. I mean, you're just leave a day earlier or set it up that, okay, you're coming out of your bye, you got a Saturday game that week. Or, you know, it's not that big a deal, I wouldn't think. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to touch on, Mike, about uh, this whole situation. I know one of the things that was brought up early on in the process was that there's the possibility or potential that teams could fly on game day. Let's say you play a four o'clock game instead mm. of instead of leaving uh, the de- the night before and putting the team up in a hotel. Uh, maybe you leave at eight o'clock that morning and fly to the destination and get everybody d- go directly to the stadium. Um, I've never done that. I, I was just going to say I didn't do this game against the Giants uh, a few years ago uh, because it was it, it was uh, a hurricane situation and I couldn't get into the city. Uh, but you were on the team charter for that game in New York where the Steelers flew in on Sunday morning. Uh, for that game, well, that, well, it had to be eight years ago now because the Steelers are back there this year. Um, what are your recollections of that game? And was that a hindrance at all? It was a tremendous hindrance, Dale, because I missed a Saturday night at PJ Clark's at fifty fifth and third. <laughs> I'm not talking about what's best for Mike Pursuta. I'm talking about was it a hindrance for the team? <laughs> it worked. Uh, it was smooth sailing, as I remember. I think we left about eight in the morning. Or maybe that's when I left my house to get to the airport and landed. And, you know, the stadium is very close to the airport there. And got in, played the game. It was a 4 o'clock kickoff. And uh, back in Pittsburgh, I think, by 10.30 or 11 o'clock. Very reasonable work day for everybody. Uh, You know, the only hang-up there is what if you have a problem with travel or if you run into a situation where there's weather either at the place – you're departing from or the place that you're supposed to arrive at. But, I uh, mean, it worked. And, it, you know, they were doing it because uh, the the New York area needed the hotel rooms for people that were 
being put out of their homes by a storm. So they, they didn't want to take up uh, hotel space that uh, was more desperately needed uh, for more important reasons. But, uh, I, you know, I, I don't remember anybody complaining about it and say, oh, this was awful. I never want to do this again. Uh, again, I uh, we were talking about this a couple of shows ago, all the good road trips that uh, uh, we like to take uh, over our years on the beat, getting to know the, the various cities in the league. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of New York City, and that's I, I love going there because I get to go to Manhattan. But uh, that that uh, I don't remember that travel uh, alteration affecting the game at all, the quality of the game or uh, the team's ability to get done what it wanted to get done uh, before the game. I, I thought it was fine. If you can figure out a way to guarantee that the plane's going to get there and you're not going to have to postpone a game because somebody couldn't get there, uh, why not? Yeah, I think that's you know something that uh, you know maybe maybe teams will look at or maybe the league will look at. Maybe they push more of those games, especially if they're able to move games to Saturday. Um, or maybe if it's a night game, night games for early, sure. You could do that. You could maybe take a nap. I, you I get mean, that extra day of practice at your own facility on Friday, so True. therefore it's not the hindrance that it typically would be if you're playing at you know eight o'clock on a Saturday night. Or if it's last year and it's Thursday in Cleveland, you leave here at ten a.m. that day, slept in your own bed the night before, got an extra day of practice, maybe. But these but, are I mean, again, are, these are things my... again that the NFLPA would have to sign off on because that's written into the I bet not that's written into the CBA it. that they they have to be there twenty four hours in advance or at least close to it. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about it from yeah. an athletic standpoint that, hey, I'm not as well rested. I'm tired. You know, I mean, I've been traveling all day. I'm not as up for a football game as I would have been. Yeah. You know, I mean, a, just think about this. Uh, people may say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Not to us. Think about, you know, flying on a plane. Let's say, you know, okay, you could do it for short trips pretty easily. So Pittsburgh to New York is not a huge deal. But let's say Pittsburgh to Jacksonville, which is a, uh, you know, a three-hour flight. And then you, you make your flight in. You play a football game, then you go get back on the plane and fly back. You should just spend six hours on a plane. You might you could have flown to Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, it, it is something of a of, of of stress on your body as well, um, especially after you've played a, a football game. Going then going back up into a into an airplane right, immediately. Right. Now they do that anyways, but again, you're you're putting your body through a lot of of stress. I twice can't see the, the players, and players are creatures of habit. I can't see them ever signing off on that. Yeah, that would be that would be a tough one. So how do they keep these guys? Well, that comes to, right, that comes back to the uh, the back to school factor, right? In all this, with the when you're dealing with the PA, you guys remember that movie Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield? Yes. Just watch it last and week. It, in fact, they Triple wanted to let him right? in. They wanted to let him into college, and the dean was against it because he didn't have the the athletic wherewithal or not the academic wherewithal. Yes. And uh, the Ned Beatty character said, I don't think you really understand the size of the check, Dean. But, you know, <laughs> if the PA's got an issue, then sometimes that can be resolved is what I'm hitting at here. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, money solves a lot of different problems uh, in the world. Um, people have asked about putting NFL teams in a bubble, and that's just not realistic because you're going to play games at different places on, on a given week, again, like my, myself, you were on team charters and still are on the, the team charter. Um, people need to understand that when they when this when teams fly into a city, they get right onto a bus. They don't go through the airport. Um, if, if they tell these guys, "Hey, you're not allowed to leave the hotel," you could make the hotel bubble like. You know, there yeah, we be just saw the we just right. saw the Cleveland Indians send one of their players 
uh, home for quarantine because he left the team hotel. Hmm. If if you tell these guys, hey, look, you, if we if you leave the team hotel and we find out that you've left the team hotel, you're going you're going to be sent home and put on quarantine and not paid for two weeks. They will stay in their room. Oh, they, will, yeah. they will quarantine the way that they're supposed to quarantine. I think everybody that we've talked to, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, has talked about how this is, you know, they have to be very professional about their approach in this whole situation. Yeah, and that's something that, uh, you, you know, Dale, you're usually in the, in the team hotel, or at least you have been uh, many times in your years. And uh, you see, even when they don't leave, usually they have family come in or friends. or You know, at, at, everywhere you go, somebody knows somebody. Right. And yeah. it's a it's kind of a homecoming for somebody. Uh, or the guys go out, you know, they have a few hours off after they get done their meetings and uh, their TV responsibilities, you know, the, the network meetings and that that kind of thing. But, yeah, that stuff's going to have to be changed. And, uh, you know, it's a hard habit to break, but you, know, you do what you got to do if it's that important to you. Right. I mean, if you're making, you know, this is your livelihood and, and you know, they tell you that if you, if you break these rules that uh, you're going to be you're, you're not going to be playing, then you're, you're not going to break those rules. And if you do, shame on you. And to your point, I don't think it's that difficult to get an entire football team and all the people you need for your side to, to play a game from your home facility to an away building you know, where you're going to play and back home without interacting with riffraff and stuff up on the outside. Especially if there's no fans at games. Did you say riffraff? Riffraff. Because that's the, that's the other thing that you see. You see after games, I mean, guys teams, guys will have their families outside the locker room. Right, right. Yeah. All they'll, that kind of they'll stuff. They'll have uh, maybe right? their buddies from home or maybe somebody Absolutely. they went to college with. That's not going to happen this no. year. Or at the hotel. Waiting at, so waiting the, at the bus. At the hotel. Right. right. Hotel lobbies. Yeah, all that stuff. It's, uh, it's going to be a different world. But I, I will say this. I kind of like uh, – Mike Tomlin said, you guys know I like catchphrases. You know, and then he came up with that uh, one fail, all fail. Yeah. And uh, who have we heard with uh, or from, excuse me, the young guys, Dale? Was it uh, Alex Highsmith? And uh, who was the other rookie uh, that did Playpool, a Zoom recently? Yeah, and they Playpool both talked about, hey, hey, I'm not going out. I'm not, you know, I've been waiting on this opportunity. I'm not going to blow it. Uh, there's too much at stake here for me and for my team. So I think, you know, you drive that point home, you got a chance, I think. Yeah, I think so. And and uh, this is the kind of situation, again, where I think your, your veteran leadership, um, you know, kind of speaks volumes to these guys as well and says, hey, look, we're, we think we got a chance to do something here this season, and we need everybody in the building to buy into this. Uh, because, again, if one fails, we all fail. And, you know, they can't afford to, to start losing guys. They, you know, the Steelers didn't have anybody opt out. I think that was telling. There were only three teams – in the league that didn't have an opt-out. Um, you know, I think that these guys are buying into this season, and so uh, I, I think that, that that message that Mike Tomlin is sending to these guys is perhaps going to be the most important one. How about that, by the way, when DeCastro talked about that? And he said, yeah, you consider it, and there's some financial ramifications. What if we can't finish and all that? But at the end of the day, you're either all in or you're out. He didn't want to take a year off. And he said, uh, doing what he does, it's kind of like a religious experience yes. for him. Hmm. <laughs> a religious being on experience. The team. Yeah, I mean, that was fascinating. You get so yeah. many years, man. You got to take advantage while you can. And you, you talk to guys. I mean, you, we still we see Tunch and Wolf all the time. Those guys spent you know fifteen years together in, in the locker room, and maybe not quite fifteen, but certainly a long time. And that bond that you build between those guys is 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 real. Mm -hmm. um, and so. You know, not having that if, if if somebody screws that up or if they don't play for a season, um, you don't, again you don't get that back. And I think those guys are all at a point now in their lives 
you know, once you hit 30, you know you're on the back nine for sure, and you want to take advantage of it. I mean, I bet a lot of our listeners even give anything to play one more high school game. Oh, you know, yeah. right? <laughs> that kind of thing. I mean, you'd probably do anything to play one more hoops game, you know, the competitive and, yeah, same thing. Yeah, especially don't, now don't that, that I can't do it up. anymore. I mean, right, right. You know, so it's, you know yeah. what you got until it's gone. Yeah, so... Anyways, that's uh, good stuff from Mike Pursuta. We're going to let him go. Uh, we appreciate him stopping oh, by. The- man, I'd give anything to do one more hour with you guys tonight. <laughs> right. you got to appreciate you, these times. Well, you're allowed Too to stay. Too bad it can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around. We can make it happen. He is Gotta Mike, Pers- <laughs> he is Mike Pursuta of the, the DVE Morning Show, Steelers Radio Network. That's Matt Williamson, also the Steelers Radio Network. I'm Dale Lolly. You've been listening to the Training Camp Report. Matt and I will be back right after this to finish up the last hour. Don't you go anywhere. Steelers Nation Unite members have a chance to chat live with Steelers safety Minka Fitzpatrick on Tuesday at 4.30 p.m. Fitzpatrick will field your questions about training camp in the upcoming season. All you need to do to participate is download the Steelers official mobile app and create a fan profile. That's Minka Fitzpatrick in the latest edition of SNU Huddle Tuesday at 4.30 p.m. That is tomorrow. So if you're going to do that and take uh, advantage of that opportunity, you better do that, uh, get on there and log on today. I bet a lot of people take advantage of that opportunity. I mean, not getting a lot of sports, not getting as much Steelers as they're used to, and they get to chat with Minka. There's no Penguin game. To get <laughs> no away. Penguin game. Right? Pirates aren't playing the in the next pick. few days either. Right. Hop on not. and talk to Minka. Why not? Yeah, that's going to be a popular outlet there. <laughs> Minka's going to be busy. Yeah, I would think so. That's going to be a, a good That's cool. One. Uh, some news and notes from around the league. Uh, okay. The Patriots are signing Lamar Miller. Um, okay. Yeah. He's kind of Sony Michelle-like, only right. better. Yeah, maybe better at this yeah. point. I'm so down on Michelle, and I think his knees are a real big problem. Um, I really liked Michelle coming out of school, but I don't. I quickly learned not to at the NFL level. He's not the same player. Um, not a ring endorsement for him at all. No. Or, you know, what does this mean about Damian Harris? Are they – Hedging their bets a, a little bit? I don't know. That's a good question. Makes me think that they're going to run the ball a lot. I, I mean, think they're, they're going to have to. Including Cam. You know, right. It's we went through that Mike Clay list uh, last Friday, and we did it position uh, by position. Position yeah. by position. The Patriots on that list. I think they were like 23rd, They were 24th, 24th overall. Yeah. They, I can't think of a single position other than cornerback where they were, and maybe offensive line, where they were above Their front average. seven no longer is in that conversation yeah. at all. The secondary is quite good, and that's where they're built, but they got hit so hard in the front seven. That's going to have ramifications to the whole defense. And you're right, the O-line I think is pretty good, but they got me and you playing right tackle right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've, right. they've got issues. And right. Again, um, not to harp on this, but the Steelers were one of three teams that didn't have an opt-out. I believe the other ones were the Falcons and the Chargers. Okay. I didn't realize it was that few. That's yeah. amazing to me. Well, I mean, 67 guys ended up opting mm-hmm. out. That's a full team's worth of guys. Right. Uh, it just it makes you wonder, uh, you know, in, in talking to, to Castro today, is this team kind of all in on this season? It sure seems that it way. It sure seems that way. I mean, not that Connor would, but he would have as good of an excuse oh, as absolutely, the right word, yeah. you know. But it, obviously, he could say I'm high risk here, and I'm sure there's several others that could have easily. Cam Hayward it. talked he about it in the spring. Right? He has asthma, and, mm-hmm. and you know that's a, certainly a, something that could be an issue for him. He's not the only guy in the team that has that kind of issue, and 
Um, you know, the continuity, yeah. I'm sure they all kind of have been in touch with each other now for a while and all the way through this saying, hey, we're in this together. This might be a golden opportunity for us. You said, you know, the it's still a very personal it. decision, though. Like, if, oh, if right, right. You got somebody, you got family at home that, that you know, may be susceptible to this. Like, mm-hmm. that's something that, that can't, you know, yeah, you want to play for your teammates and you want to be out there, but your family takes precedence. Yeah, no question. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't implying that if somebody opted out, they would give them a code red or anything. No, <laughs> right, nothing, right, nothing right, like that. Right. <laughs> but, but certainly, I just. But you the, get the feeling, though, like, hey, we have. This whole thing's benefiting us. You know, we we have the continuity. We we don't we don't have to change anything. We can keep the defense rolling as we did. We added a couple more things. We're we get Ben back. You know, yeah. let's go win. And I think too the fact that they've missed the playoffs the last two, two years, I think, has made. And this is a unusual. Team, this here. is a team that was in the AFC Championship just in 2016. They mm-hmm. thought that they were on the on the cusp of of winning another Super Bowl. And a lot of those guys are still in that locker room, and they know that they're you know as as, as as DeCastro talked about today, um, you know they they know that they're they can see the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it, right, right, it's, right. It's there, they're, and so they have some good young players, but they have some guys that aren't going to last forever, too. Right, and know? so I mean that was one of the things Ramon Foster talked about when he said he, he you know he wanted to come back and try to win a title once again in Pittsburgh uh, because they know they've been close. Yeah. And, and even, I mean, I realized last year finished eight and eight. They were eight and five at one point. Right. I mean, they were playing really good football. It has to hurt to be that seventh team those last two years too. Like, hey, if we got in, maybe we would have, you know, we could have taken on the Titans, you know, yeah. or, or whoever you would have gotten round one. I like our chance fifty fifty against those guys, and I don't. I doubt that that's you know influenced their decisions or anything. But now a seven team, seven teams go, and I'm sure they all look around and go, we're one of the seventh best teams in the AFC. Yeah. And realistically, they're probably one of the top two or three or four teams mm-hmm. in the AFC. Oh, I think so too. You right. know, I think that's the that's the reality of the situation. We have to fall on our face not to be one of the top seven. And right. if you're one of the top, you know, three or four teams, as we see every year, the best team on paper doesn't always win the Super Bowl. Often doesn't. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, how many Giants beat the the Patriots and. You know, Eli Manning's teams got hot a few times, and the Flacco Ravens—they weren't, you know, the best team. The idea is that the team that stays the healthiest. Oh yeah, to war with the team this year that avoids the COVID. Mm-hmm. Issues. That's just hand in hand with the health, you know, yeah. just being available. Sure. Uh, and, and again, the, the team that gets hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. And this year too. Okay, we got to go to Kansas City. Doesn't matter. So There's what? no crowd. Right, right. You and, know, and frankly, that could hurt the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers have a nice advantage. Too. They they do, you, but like when you go on the road here. like that, they, right. if you if you are the let's say the the you know the five seed in the mm-hmm. AFC, if the Ravens win the division, as most expect, yeah, it's not that big a deal to be a wild card team. No, you're all, all you're doing is going and playing a game. It could in be Mitchell's. anywhere. Yeah, it could be could be right. on the moon right, right. Uh, because you're be not going to have the crowd noise. You're not going to have mm-hmm. uh, you know the hostile environment that you typically would have. Um, maybe that hurts some teams in some aspects. You know, teams that play well on the road, like that feed off of that that venom. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the Steelers, on the other hand, a lot of times when they go on the road, it's more like a home game. It can, that can be that could be something that is almost disheartening if you're the home team. I bet, I bet. Like you come running out of the tunnel and get booed in your own stadium. That's a, <laughs> you know. actually that makes me think of the Chargers. They're on hard knocks tomorrow night. They always have a home field disadvantage. Well, this year they might not. Right. They, yeah. They may actually be a neutral turf for sixteen games, <laughs> as opposed to being in the, the the downside for sixteen games. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting uh, from that aspect of it, but but certainly, um, you know, I think it, it it's all about staying healthy. It's all about keeping your team healthy. 
I was, uh, you know, with, with things that are happening in Major League Baseball, I've been asked a lot in the last week, well, what's the NFL going to do if, if, if you know, they ha- if a team has, you know, three or four guys test positive? Mm-hmm. They're going to keep playing. I think that's they're, pretty think obvious. That's pretty much... They're going to a 69-man roster. Yeah, right. The idea when you go to a 69-man roster is that you're going to you're going to play. Now, you may mm-hmm. not – you may be starting guys at safety or starting a guy at, at uh, running back know. who nobody's ever heard of, but I you're going to play the game. I don't think the NFL game. league offices care. You know, you're going to play the game. The show must go on. Yeah. You know, we're going to perform on Broadway – whether our stars hurt or not, and the, the understudy's going to have to be ready to yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, and it'll be very interesting. I mean, it, it's this year's rough on a lot of people, but it'll also, as as the case with any big change in any walk of life, it's going to present opportunities that weren't there for some too. Oh, absolutely, I mean, there's going to yeah. be some practice squad guy on the Steelers. There's and somebody's going to be Timmy Smith. Yeah, right, you know? right. I mean, you're going to be that. Someone's going to thrive because he was given a chance he wouldn't have been any other other time. Yeah, you know, and you know and that comes out of position coaches and you know all that all the preparation that goes into it. Yeah, it's again it goes back to your depth. It goes back to the job your scouts did in the mm-hmm. spring, yeah, bringing yeah. in guys who are quality depth players, signing uh, the right yeah. undrafted free agents, and you know, right, absolutely. So, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this all breaks out and breaks down. And, and hey, the rules could change. You know, there's officially to, from today. The season starts a month from today. Wow! Today's okay. the tenth. Realize that. Okay. This, the season starts on on September 10th with the uh, Chiefs and yeah. the Chiefs and in, uh, in Texans, and I fully expect that game to go on. I expect that game to happen. I expect that there will be an NFL season. I um, do too. You know, whether it's a full NFL season, we'll see. I don't know what the what the We've options. We've got no are. indicators that it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, I mean, everything's full systems go at this point. Yeah, and you have to treat it that way. I mean, I, I think you have to look at this. You, people say, well, what's the NFL's fall, fallback plan? I think they have fallback plans. They may not publicize them. I'm sure. Nor um, do we need to know them. Right. The idea is to go play a 16-game regular season. Yeah. Um, they could certainly go with a 12-game regular season or whatever it may be, but there will be a regular season, and then they'll crown a champion at the end of this all. And... I'm interested to see what the Super Bowl looks like this year. Yeah, those type of events, you know, like you mentioned before. I'm I'm excited for you even to report from Heinz Field. You know, what's the, the, the atmosphere like down there? The practice is just as intense, maybe more so. I mean, uh, and you know, what's the environment like? Is it eerie or is it exciting? You know, I mean, it's all these little things, let alone a Super Bowl, you know? Yeah, it's going to be going to be fascinating. Um, Real quick note kind of along those lines. I was listening to the Move the Sticks podcast on the way here, and – DJ and, and Bucky are both former scouts, and they were saying, I just talked to one of our buddies in the league who's a scout and did what we used to do, and he's like, the last time I put on my polo shirt for my NFL team, my work attire, was at the Combine. And that was April, right? I mean, that was a long time ago. And he's like, maybe the next time I put my polo shirt on is the next Combine, if that even happens. You know, like, there might be – Nothing an area scout does on location in that whole time and hasn't seen their boss, their owner, their head coach any time in that stretch. You know, like it's been, it could be a year. There are people at this very radio station that the same way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I haven't seen a whole lot of people floating around here in a while either. We've been, we've been, I mean, the, uh, we, we've reached a point now where, you know, most uh, back and forth between uh, employees and employers take place via Zoom or mm-hmm. text messages. Right, right. Um, that's just the reality of the situation. I mean, my wife know. hasn't been in the office in a very long time. Yeah, yeah right. And, and and I think some good will come out of that in a lot of walks of life. Was 
why do I have to go in every day anyway? You know, I mean, I'm on the like my wife's on the tee for an hour back and forth where she's like, I can get more work done at home. Yeah. You know? Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, right. they're some fine. things, not everything. Some things, but, right. you know, other people take advantage of that. I think. Oh, yeah. There's some people <laughs> are napping. And, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, do two hours of work and then sleep for two hours. All right. You can get up hey, and do another hour. Get your stuff done. Do yeah. what you got to do. Do what you got to do. That's uh, kind of the, the mantra of the whole uh, the whole season, I think. Uh, but I do expect the NFL to uh, to give this a heck of a go to get this in. These guys are professionals. They should be able to get this done mm-hmm. if they really want to do it. And uh, I think the fans in the country and you and I need it. Yeah. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're talking about, you know, there are going to be 2,000 players uh, between, regu- you know, regular rosters and practice squads. Okay. Um, they're going to do what they can to keep those those guys uh you know, virus as safe free. As possible, sure. Uh, doesn't mean that there won't be some teams that that you know guys that test right. positive. Uh, it's going to happen, uh, but I think with the testing protocols that the league has in place, they can keep this from spreading throughout. You know, like wildfire mm-hmm. throughout a team. Um, I mean, it wouldn't yeah. shock me if you know. I think a lot of us see the Niners, the Ravens, the Saints, the Chiefs as the the, the best, the top tier. But maybe one of them will get hit with something at the wrong time, and we'll always say, "What could have been?" They were fifteen and one, but then COVID hit the team, and you know, yeah. I mean, this, you just uh, don't know. Yeah, yeah, you just don't know, and so we'll see how they get through this. Uh, but we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, our, our friend uh, Cynthia Freeland uh, is projecting the NFL's twenty twenty stat leaders. She does the models on that for uh, NFL.com. She's their uh, NFL Network analytics expert. Yeah, so we'll see what uh, Cynthia has here in store for the season right after this on the Training Camp Report. I'm Dale Lally with Matt Williamson here on the Training Camp Report. Uh, as I mentioned uh, in the before the uh, previous break, uh, Cynthia Freeland of NFL.com uh, has put out her models. Uh, said Cynthia and model in the same sentence. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you like that? Uh, she does the mathematical analysis yeah, 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 yeah. for NFL.com. Very good at her job. And so she put out the, her projections for the league leaders this year yeah, I'm based off of are. the computer models that she's mm-hmm. run. So her passing leader is not surprisingly Patrick Mahomes with 4,790 yards. That sounds like it could be a little low for Yeah, Mahomes. I mean, I, I bet somebody throws for more than 4,700 yards when it's all said and done. Mahomes are not. Yeah. Um, she says, you know, that's just the he, – he, her projections have him throwing for 4,500 or more yards 67% of the time on her models. Okay. So – yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, he ends up on top of the league in passing yards, eighteen and a half percent of the time. Fair okay. enough. Uh, Bonus she... intel, rounding out the top five. Uh, okay, I was wondering, does yeah. she have others, or she have others? Tom Brady ends up in the sixteen point five percent of the simulations with more than forty two per forty two hundred passing yards, uh, in, uh, ends up on top sixteen point five percent of the time. And he has more than 4,200 passing yards 63% of the time in her models. I wouldn't put a chip on that horse. I wouldn't There's either. other ones I like is darker, you know, longer shots. Um, Dak Prescott leads the league 16% of the time. I could see that. I mean, yeah. he was near the top last year. 
highly efficient offense, good weapons. I'm not buying this next one either. Uh, Drew Brees is fourth at 15.5%. No. They don't throw the ball his, enough. His, they yeah, don't want to. Temps will be low. Yeah. I have two that she hasn't mentioned that I really like. And then Matt Ryan at 12%. That's the, the, the yeah. dark horse that I've mentioned a few times. I don't think he'll run. You know, We talk about fantasy and stuff, but I think they'll throw a lot. I also think Houston will throw. Yeah, a I think Deshaun lot. Watson's a guy. He was my dark horse last year, actually, mm-hmm. in the lead to league in touchdown passes when we were talking about that. Obviously. I don't think they'll much of a running game. You know, both their backs are much. better receivers yeah. than runners. Uh, passing touchdowns is Mahomes with 37. Okay, it's kind of re- redundant um, on that one, but okay. He gets uh, thir- more than 35 touchdown passes 57.5% of the time in a 16-game simulation. Yeah, and again, I bet more than 30. somebody throws for more than 35 touchdowns. Um, Russell Wilson throws for more than 30 touchdowns in 55.5% of the simulations. Given as little as he throws the football. I know, but he's super efficient, and yes. he is year after year with – he always like leads the league in that, except for Lamar last year. Yeah. That's very possible. Um, she also says Buffalo's Josh Allen tops 22 touchdowns 57% of the time. Mm. That's a low number. That, that's not, yeah, that's not a very high number. Yeah. Right. Um, Ryan Tannehill matches or exceeds his 22 touchdown passes from last year 54.9% of the time. Well, he didn't start. Remember, he didn't start. He better be it. Yeah. She said, one player whose projection surprised me is number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. His median projection is to throw 21 touchdown passes. I take the over. I mean, some of it might be garbage time and all that, but I bet he throws a fair number. I mean, that's slightly – I mean, it's only one and a half a game. Yeah, the, she said when she sees the uh, – uh, Those numbers reaches, seem low. Reaches or exceeds 24 touchdown passes and happens 53.6% of the time in her uh, in her simulations. Hmm. Okay. Rushing yardage leader, Derrick Henry with 1380. He won it this year. Yeah. He's going to get the ball time. He had 1540 last year. I wouldn't put a chip on that. I wouldn't either. He had I mean, a heavy workload last year. I don't right. expect that to repeat. If I were going to bet on somebody, I would put it on Zeke Elliott. Jose Elliott's really strong. He's always in the top three, like every year yeah. in that league, too. Uh, he was second last year. He's, she, he comes in second in her uh, in her simulations with uh, twelve ninety. His rushing yards per game for his career is elite. Yeah, uh, and she says, oh, "Don't forget about Chris Carson when you're looking at potential leading rushers." Uh, here in the second most rushing first downs last season was 75, projects to 1,120 yards in her model. Uh, he earns, uh, he rushes for more than 1,100 yards and 55.8% mm. of the, the simulations. They want to run the football. They do, but I just don't know if he's talented to be that guy. I don't know if he can stay healthy and yeah. not fumble. I mean, I would rather put a chip on Josh Jacobs. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Receptions. She said her, her model rarely projects over 130 catches. Uh, but it does have Michael Thomas with 131 this year. Okay, and that's, that's like a big pretty number. averages yeah. for his career, which is bonkers. Yeah, it's just a big number. I bet number. his targets go down a little, though. You would Sanders think with, yeah, there's right. some other guys there. I think there. tomorrow will catch more balls this year. Um, Devontae Adams has to be right there, too. There's just nothing else in Green Bay. Right. Uh, he, he comes in at number two with 109 catches. Well, Julio Jones has at least 99 in 58.3% of the results. Uh, she said when it comes to Tampa Bay's Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, Godwin projects with 91, Evans 82, if you're looking at that for fantasy purpose. Okay. Christian McCaffrey's 116 in receptions ranked second in the NFL last season. Uh, this year she has him at six with only 92 catches. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, receiving yards, Julio Jones leads Okay, I mean, he's a big play guy. And- yeah. Um, it's hard to argue Matt Ryan only attempted a deep pass uh, tw- of 20-plus air yards last year, 8.9% 8. of the time, his lowest rate since 2016. They couldn't protect him. No, they couldn't. So they didn't uh, go deep a whole lot. They, she thinks that will be better this year. 
Um, so she has him uh, at uh, 1,500 or more receiving yards and 55.1% of her simulations. Okay. I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, other thing that she noted is Bears receiver Allen Robinson has at least 1,100 yards and 54.9% of He's the other one should get a ton of targets. Yeah. He get a lot of attention from defenses. But. Touches. Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey with 391. It's a big number That's again. a big number again, but if 92 of those are catches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's not quite so bad. I would think Barkley's neck and neck with them too. Yeah, um, but that's a big number. Total touchdowns, Alvin Kamara, 13. Wow. I guess I don't disagree. Yeah. Zeke Elliott would be high on my list. She said he narrowly edges Ezekiel Elliott. Okay. 13.1 touchdowns to 13. McCaffrey, but that offense probably won't be quite as good as those. Yeah. Um, Aaron Jones is tied with uh, Christian McCaffrey. They both had 19 last year. They ranked he ranks fifth with 12.8. Um, but I, I wouldn't count on that. No, that sounds of rich. note though. Austin Eckler said that uh, in 58.2 percent of her simulations scores at least 10 touchdowns. Really, I would think that six of them are through the air though. Yeah, sacks. Cameron Jordan with 13. That's the, num- the highest number? That's the highest number. That's not very many. I mean, it's a lot of people went over 13 last year. Uh, like the leader at Edges Daniel Hunter, who had, who's okay. next on that list. Joey Bosa, Chandler Jones, and Nick Bosa rounding out the top five. T.J. Watt does not finish on that top five list. Yeah, we can get to my edge rankings at one point this weekend, but uh, those guys are all on it. Chandler Jones, like, consistently averages, like, 17. Yeah, she said yeah. Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett both just missed being in the top five. Fair enough. This is a low number to lead the league. Yeah, I mean, well, this is the average from a you know mm-hmm. a gajillion computer simulations. <laughs> right, so. and I guess they would be lower. Yeah. How often do you get the 19 or the fluky numbers? Right, the fluky numbers. Um, and then interceptions, Marcus Peters with five. Again, low way. number to lead the league, but he is aggressive and attacks the football. And, and what helps throw him, his way. and this is what people don't understand about him, he plays across from Marlon Humphrey. Mm-hmm. He's the two. He's the number two. Mm-hmm. He's not better than Marlon Humphrey. Right. You don't want to be Mel Blunt, the lead the league in interceptions. Right. Or Willie Williams right, you know, right. finished with seven interceptions one year playing opposite Rod Woodson. That's how this works. And if it goes <laughs> anything like last year, Baltimore will have the lead late in games. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then bonus rookie leaders, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with seven touchdowns. Okay. And then Sachs, Chase Young with seven. Hmm. All those numbers seem low, but I guess that's just because you do the simulation so much. It, it keeps the numbers down right. a little bit. But yeah. it's all relative. They're still the leaders of the leaders. Um, she said that uh, some of the other rookies who, uh, who will score here, uh, Michael Pittman with five uh, or more touchdowns, occurs 53.9% of the time. And Henry Ruggs with five-plus uh, touchdowns, 57.1% of the time. Yeah, I mean, I would probably pick some other names before those guys. I think Rager might lead the the, the league in um, targets as a rookie. Yeah, you know, so that's so, obviously yeah, he'll be the. Yeah, looks Jefferson. like he could be the number one there. Uh, maybe some of those other running backs would uh, get in. I mean, yeah, I, you'd look at a Jonathan Taylor or someone like that. I got to think Taylor falls in the end zone more than six times. You would think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if it's week one and he's not the man, he might be the goal line guy. Right. Yeah. They'll find roles for those guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, I just thought that was an interesting little uh, thing for. For, uh, we, we, we do like Cynthia Williams. She's a friend of the show. Comes on with us at uh, at the combine. So uh, yeah, we like, like to it. like to you know look take a look at her work. Uh, but uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear that David DeCastro interview that we talked about so much in the first hour. Uh, DeCastro talking with the media earlier today. Tomorrow we get James Connor and uh, Eddie Faulkner, his position coach. So uh, well, some uh, interesting stuff for them as well. well. You guys will hear that tomorrow. Those interviews tomorrow. But uh, we're going to take a break. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. 
And we are back. We're going to get to the uh, David DeCastro interview. But before we do, the uh, Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, Matt, we talked a lot about this interview in the first hour with Mike Persuda. Uh, we're going to let people hear this now. And, uh, man, David DeCastro bringing a lot of uh, no, he brings it. A lot of information in this one. So give it a listen and give it a close listen. If you heard this earlier, uh, you're still going to want to hear it again because he says a lot in this interview. Hey Dave, hey Dave. Uh, just uh, wondering. Um, I'm actually here, so <laughs> um, <laughs> you've got. Uh, obviously, you're going to have at least one new starter on your offensive line this year. Um, continuity is is king on the offensive line, and you've only got 14 practices with which to to kind of work that new guy into the equation. A, is that enough time? And B, what kind of confidence do you have in those those new guys? And some of them aren't new. Obviously, Stefan is. But how much confidence do you have in those guys be able to get them up to speed quickly? Yeah, I like it. I think this whole thing for us as an O-line, this, the pandemic and the shortened training camp is, uh, yeah, I think it's beneficial just because we're a veteran group. And even though guys, Matt's moving to left guard, he's he's gotten snaps before, game snaps. You know, he's played that position a lot. He's bounced around before. And uh, you've got guys with Banner and Jukes with that game time is you know, game time experience as well. So I think it, I think it bodes well for us. And uh, I'm excited to see that competition at right tackle for uh, for that spot. Thanks, Dave. There you go. It's so Thanks, Dale. We'll go to Will Graves with the Associated Press. Will, I think we have you now. All right. What are you, Dave, what are you doing starting so early, man? Come on. <laughs> We're deadline-oriented <laughs> deadline yeah. people here. Um, look, I'm just sort of curious. A, it's good to see you, but B, um, you know, you look, you have a young family at home. I've talked to you in the past about, like, when you had kids, how and your wife would sort of divvy up responsibilities so you could be in prime position to play. Have you changed what you do at home, your routine, to sort of protect yourself even further than, than maybe, you know, you normally would? No, not not really. My life hasn't changed too much. With the whole, whole thing happening in the off season too, it kind of the routine didn't, didn't vary as much. And even even nowadays, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not I'm not too afraid. Um, you know, it's just my personal opinion of it. So I'm I haven't done anything really to. I don't know really what, what, what much can you do if it's worth taking those risks to really completely isolate yourself. To me, to me, I don't see that being beneficial. I'd rather be with my kids and family and um, you know take take that risk. So no, I haven't, I haven't changed that changed at all. Appreciate it. All righty, let's go to Jerry Dulac with the Post Gazette. Jerry, are you on? How about now? You got me, Dave? Yep, I can hear you. How are you, man? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. Hey, um, did you ever give any thought to opting out, Dave? And do you have any apprehensions going forward here about, you know, once you start playing? Um. Yeah, it's tough. You know, the only thing that really comes to mind is, and, and there's really no way to, to structure with the, with the money and whatnot and the uncertainty of, of, of the guys playing. And, you know, that definitely weighs in your mind. You're taking a lot of risk going out there. And, if, you know, say you get hurt and we don't get the whole season and you don't get your whole salary, you know, you kind of, that's probably the biggest the biggest thing I thought about um, as far as the, you know, the financial ramifications of playing and the chance of the season not finishing out, you know. So other than, but, you know, at the same time, you think a lot of guys are just kind of, I like having the routine to be able to be able to play football. I don't know what I do without it. So even though that thought crosses your mind, I think in reality a lot of guys are just kind of going with the flow. Thanks, man. Nope. Let's go to Ed Bouchette of the Athletic. Ed, are you on? 
Hello, Dave. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, um, along the way, some somewhere, did you watch much tape at all about uh, Alan Fanica and how he played the position? Um, you know, not really. When I was younger, it was a different age from then than it is now. You know, it was a little harder to find find those kind of cut ups and tapes, which are a lot easier now with YouTube and, and, and stuff. But um, no, I just watched them, you know, from afar. Uh, you know, some Sundays watching them play, and obviously watching the Steelers. It was a uh, it's a big part of that offensive line. He was here uh, one summer, wasn't he? And yeah, did you pick up anything from him then? No, uh, yeah, he was here for about you know part of training camp, and it was it was just cool to meet him. That's for sure. Um, just pick his brain and get a sense for what a guy, guy who's been through it before, kind of been down that path of kind of what you want to emulate as a career. Um, just nice getting to meet the guy and, and spend some time talking to him. And yeah, pick his brain a little bit about, you know, life, football, all the, all the, all the good stuff. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Ed. We'll go to Mark Caboli with The Athletic. Mark? What's up, Dave? Hey, what's up, Mark? Yeah, my question is about uh, the loss of Munchak last year. Maybe not as of uh, concerning actually line play, but maybe some of the things he did in the run game and coordinating that. Did you guys notice a difference there without his voice of being able to construct things uh, with the run game? Uh, I mean, Munch was great. I mean, let's, let's can't really sugarcoat it. He was a great coach, smart. Um, I just think the injuries really, really kind of took a toll. Um, you know, losing losing a quarterback like Ben, that's you know, losing a guy that's allows you have a pass game that's really builds up the run. So yeah, maybe there's a factor of Munch. So he's, he's one of a kind. Well, you know, I'll, I'll bounce from on that. But um, there's a lot of factors that went into last year being the kind of disaster it was on our side of the ball. Thanks, Dave. Yep. Thanks. We'll go to Mike Prezuda with WDBE. Trim, if you're on. Gummy. Yep. Yes, sir. How's it going, David? Hey, what's up, Mike? I just wanted to uh, follow up a little bit. You said you couldn't imagine not playing. Um, I assume you're pretty financially secure by this point. Why is it worth the risk, and why could you not imagine playing? What what still drives you about about the game? Because you, you got to kind of be all in when you're playing football. You know what I mean? It's like you, once once you say you're you're done, I think, and you check out, you get you can't really come back to it. So I've always had that mindset of just being all in. Football being the number one. You know, it's almost sort of a a religious, religious experience, close thing I can get for my, you know for myself. I love the game. I always have. It's done, it's done so much for me. And you can't really think about the money and, and whatnot when you're playing. And you just have to be all about football and attacking that day and having that routine. It just it just makes life life a lot easier. And uh, you know, I'm not I'm not ready to be done quite yet. You know what I mean? Get getting there, but um, I still I still enjoy it. I still enjoy the routine and coming to coming to work with these guys. You know, bouncing out. You know. The, Group's kind of fading away. You guys don't always ask every year. You guys, you guys appreciate what you got in the O line. You know, we, we really have because we know it's a, a light's coming down the tunnel a bit. Did you say religious experience? Yes, yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Trev. We'll go to Richie Walsh with KDKA. Richie, if you're on. Yeah, Dave. You know, with the Power Five and the Big Ten postponing college football I, I know you want to play and we all want to see you guys play do you are you optimistic are you hopeful that you guys will play this year what are the concerns what are you guys talking Man, about I, don't, I, I give i gave up predicting being hopeful optimistic about four or five months ago when the, uh, this whole thing just kind of blows your mind it's been a crazy year and at this point in my life i tell everyone just taking a day to day you know I'm trying to like i told mike just trying to enjoy the routine of football um you know, 
that's definitely reality in the back of our minds. I mean, I'm open to anything. I know get shut down tomorrow and we're like, oh, you know, you have a free fall for the first time in 20 years. You know what I mean? That, that's that's pretty pretty weird to a lot of guys who've been doing this for, for so long. But, you know, it's, it's really screwed up everybody's lives. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. What can you really do at this point? I'll just watch and um, adapt and, and move on. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Rich. We'll go to Brooke Pryor with ESPN. Brooke? Hey, Dave. Thanks for doing this. Um, you know, without the rookie minicamp and OTAs and now a shortened training camp and no preseason, what kind of learning curve can, can you kind of expect for Kevin Dotson? How hard is it for a rookie to come in and be on the line and, you know, and not have all of the experience of the offseason that a guy would normally get. Yeah, it's, it's really hard for a rookie. I'm a rookie. There's a lot. I came in late into OTAs because of some weird college eligibility rule. But, um, yeah, it's not – it doesn't help, that's for sure. Guy coming in, it's a different game, learning the scheme, the system, and getting those getting those reps. It's uh, it's hard. To let, you know, it's definitely a, a battle, but you know, all, the, all the rookies are going through it. We'll um, get some good, good reps in training camp. And um, it's kind of is what it is. But, yeah, it's not, it's not easy. That's for sure. I thought you were here. Thanks. Thanks, Burke. We'll go to Tim Benz with the chip. Trip, Tip, if you're on. Yeah. Hi, Dave. I was just curious uh, from your standpoint how you um, might give any advice if it's asked for uh, Matt Filer making the jump from tackle to guard in terms of uh, the mentality and the skills needed for that position and how you feel about the guys on the right side at tackle that might be taking over for him and Zach and Chooks? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm excited for the competition. Um, I'm sure both, I know both the guys are really hungry and it's going to be a, a tough battle for that, that right tackle spot. And as far as Matt goes, I, I see Matt as pretty better. I don't think he needs any tips. I think he's uh, he's played all around, you know, bounced around. I thought, I'm, I'm going to miss my right tackle. I had, a, I had a really good time playing with him last year, but um, uh, I think it's obviously best for the, the group for him to be a left guard. And, Good choice, and I think he'll be, be pretty solid. Uh, he's just—he's a tremendous player. He's built for. He looks—he looks great, great shape to play. Play guard. He looks even stockier and more anchorish than uh, than before. So uh, he's ready to go. Stocky and more anchorish. Uh, importance to that transition, do you think? Yeah, no, for sure. You know, you uh, you think you sacrifice a little bulk up a little bit. And, uh, you want know, some some bigger guys, not maybe not as necessarily as athletic and quick, but at least some big, strong freaks in the in the middle. Thanks. Thanks, Tim. We'll go to Jim Wexel with 247 Sports. Jim? Jim, do we have you? Okay, there we go. Yep. Got me, Dave? I hear you, Jim. Good. Um, you had said uh, losing Munch was one factor. What were some of the other factors? I'm assuming it had to do with quarterbacks making calls, but you 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 answered that. And the other question I have is your confidence level in a team that's, you know, everybody's uh, missing their preseason. How, how will you guys respond? Will it be a positive one? Yeah, I think it would be positive for us just because we're a veteran team. Um, and just, we've, we've, we, I mean, honestly, I think the training camp, a lot of all those preseason games are for younger guys. I mean, I don't think it takes necessarily much for us to get in shape as a veteran group. And I think the older you get, the less is kind of more just because you don't need that pounding on your body. So uh, I think it bodes well for us, offense and defense-wise. Uh, we have some good depth, too. And, yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm actually excited about that. 
any other factors in uh, you know besides losing Munch? Oh, oh, as far as last year, I don't know, man. Last year sucked. I kind of already forgot about it. It was not fun to play, as you know, as an offense. Okay. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty terrible. Um, just, just, yeah, you kind of, you know, lose confidence and it just kind of snowballs and you just find ways to lose games. Can't win when your defense is getting five turnovers. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty, pretty tough year. Um, you know, it falls on everybody. You know, that's why it's a team sport. You know, you can't, you can't lose that confidence. You got to. Got to be better, but yeah, hopefully we can uh, get a better attitude this year and hopefully we can stay healthy. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. We'll go, go on to Ray Fittipaldo with the Post Gazette. Ray, you're on. Hey, Dave, how's it going? Hey, what's up, Ray? Uh, one more quick follow up on the running game. I mean, you, you were here when it was really clicking with Le'Veon, you know, back in the day. Um, and just other than the injuries, is there one or two things that you guys think you have to get back to, um, whether it be putting your hand on the ground more often or just any little things that can help, you know, get that running game, you know, kick-started again? You guys love talking about the running game. Like, it's like it's, it starts, in, you know, it's a starting point of, of the offense. I just always try to tell you guys there's, it's a combination. You can't have a good running game without a good passing game, without a, an honest, balanced offense, because if they can just stack the box and wear a safety down, and you can't throw the top or forget that, you know, if, if they can't keep you or you can't keep them honest, then it's easier to stop the run. So, I mean, we just we just weren't good at all. So the running game is obviously going to be, be a tough spot where they can just kind of pigeonhole you into, yeah, I mean, it was just, it wasn't really just the run game. It was just an overall not being good. Got it. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. We'll go to Chris Adamski with the trip. Chris, go ahead. Hey, Dave. Um, you've used words like suck and disaster and stuff, uh, talking about last year's offense. Yeah. Um, I'm not smart enough to know, to be able to break down, you know, the reasons why. I think for, you know, the last five, pretty much your whole career, everybody's can generally assume, well, the Steelers, the offensive line's elite with the Steelers, one of the best. Um, where do you kind of, you know, on a self-assessment, both of you and the unit of the five of you or whatever, um, did you, you guys obviously you're getting older. There are questions. Are you guys still in a lead offensive line? Did, did you have a bad year last year? Can you be better this year? Or was it not necessarily the offensive line? I, I always say it's always a culmination. It's a beautiful team sport. You know, we take pride in the old line. Obviously, we think we're pretty good. Um, but it's 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 a, it's a team effort. Yeah, you're right. We are, maybe we are getting a little old, but still think we got some juice left in us. And um, we're not good as a whole. Everyone's going to look bad. You know what I mean? That's just that's just the nature of it. Um, not trying to put blame on anyone else. I mean, we, we had a bad play, that's for sure. Take more, take more um, responsibility, but just a global, yeah, just a global, not good. And that just, like I said, it kind of like started to lose confidence a little bit, and you're just, you're just struggling. And it's just, it's a tough, it was a tough year, uh, especially when, like you said, we're used to having, having great years. And obviously, you're just a Hall of Fame quarterback. The guy's getting paid, you know, third or one of the third of the salary cap. You know, there's a reason why they get paid that much. Um, you know, no, no, not trying to discredit Mason and Duck, obviously, the capable players, but when you're losing a guy like that, um, yeah, it's, that's tough. Thanks, Chris. Uh, we'll end it with Aditi Kinkabala of the NFL Network. Aditi, if you're on, go ahead. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Hi. What's up? Um, <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. Brooke just told me I was muted. 
Um, having said that about Ben, besides the obvious, what really is different in having him back out there? I mean, do practices or are your walkthroughs running through any crisper? Is the quarterback talking a lot more? And Deontay, a young guy, claims that he's any different. You've played with Ben for a long time. Is he really any different? Or is he just Yeah, yeah he just he seems kinda of lighter, a positive attitude, happier and I think the biggest thing with Ben is not that he's just a talented player in his own right, is what he does for the people around him. It's he has you know the ego, the, the ability to to make you play better, to force you to play better because he, he expects it. It's similar to Pouncey in, the, in a way that that true leaderships aren't just good being, you know, true leaders aren't just good players in the world. You have to have that ability, but they demand your best when you're out there and, you know, you kind of you fall in line. That's, that's a true leader. And, and he has that presence in the huddle, you know, and he expects the best from you. He expects you not to lose. And you're just like, you know, that's just, that's, a, that's, that's what, you know, I want the more I've been around him over the years, he's always had that. Um, I think that's part of what makes him great. But yeah, like I said, he's, he's, he seems happy. He's got you know lighter on his feet, just having a good time. Having you be back out here, I'm sure it was tough being hurt for a year and missing it. Um, that's not easy on your on your mental uh, your mental health. So um, I think he's just we're all we're all enjoying it. We all know we're all we all know we're old. We all know we're getting you know I'd be Al's last year. You know, Pouncey and I are getting old too. I mean, who knows what's gonna happen? So it's uh, I think we're all just trying to try to enjoy it the most we can. That was Steelers guard David DeCastro earlier today with the assembled media. Lots of good stuff there, man. No, tons. I mean, maybe our best interview yet. You know, I mean, Ben's is really good. Coaches are really good. We've had some. We've heard from some really um, interesting and enthusiastic Steelers here, but that one's as good as any. And he doesn't hold much back. Just as a little aside here, um, I I ended up asking the first question. I was not the first person that they asked. <laughs> he explained that to me. But right, they yeah. started about five minutes early with that one. I just happened to sign in early uh, because early I was bird. sitting around, and, and uh, all of a sudden I, I, I turned my computer on and turned the Zoom on, and David's already sitting there. And I'm like, oh, I better turn the audio on here. And the next thing you know, they uh, Michael Birch comes on and starts asking for, you know, hey, uh, you know, you are you here or this guy there? Yeah. And I was the first guy up, and then boom, I'm in, and I'm like, yeah, I'm here. It seems uh, like so- it took you by surprise a little bit, or I'm just going to jump at this, you know, yeah. in front of the line. Right? So, uh, but good stuff from David DeCastro. No uh, good stuff. I hope uh, people enjoyed what we had to say today. Uh, for my partner here, Matt Williamson from Mike Pursuta, who joins us in the first hour, and for Wesley Euler, who's pulling all kinds of duty here today, keeping us on the air. We appreciate you listening to the training camp report. I'm Dale Lally. We appreciate you stopping by, and we'll be back tomorrow here on Steelers Nation Radio.